If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Sentimental Garbage, the podcast where we talk about the culture we love that society sometimes makes us feel ashamed of. My name is Caroline O'Donoghue and my clone, Melissa, has been doing my work since 2003. Joining me is single mother who wasn't invited to the rock show, Annie Lord. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. You're not actually a single mother, but we are talking about Avril Lavigne today. Famous hater of single mothers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very true. Very true. Um, so, you've chosen Avril Lavigne for mm. your subject. Why Avril? Why now? I think, like, I've just always had such a deep, like, fan feeling towards her. Like, that yeah. she's the person I most get giddy and feel that like deep obsession with um I think when I was like younger and because I I remember her first album coming out when I was um I think I was literally in primary school Mm. and feeling like because obviously all I'd been listening to was probably like steps and stuff like the first time I was like oh this is like real music or this is like it felt really proper and cool and like I understood what like rock and roll was or something and just being so excited by her and I remember going to like see her I have because I was so young like all the memories to the early part are very blurry but I remember like going to see her live and like eating Pringles I just have a really strong with like the parents had to come and everything a little mini thing of Pringles yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. and feeling kind of frustrated that we had to like sit with parents and wanting to (laughs) oh that's so nice yeah I just love her and all her music so I also loved her I'm a couple years older than you are but this came out yeah my first year of secondary school Mm. complicated happened and um it was fucking huge for me it was really really huge and like I was really longing for is this exactly i i the, my only sort of experience with music up until that point was like obviously just uh absorbing pop kind of thing never really going out of my way for music um but being really attracted to women and guitars mm. and rock and like my 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 eldest brother's friend had given me the first no doubt album and that was the only real album that i had and that and that was the whole sort of like Gwen Stefani, just a girl. The idea of being like a hard rocking girl in a man's world mm. was so fucking exciting to me. But even then, Gwen Stefani felt very far away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And very glamorous. Um, but Avril did feel like someone who could have been plucked out of your world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I, she used to only wear like her own clothes and stuff. Like, yeah. she wouldn't let other people dress her. And she just felt like some kind of big sister you wanted. Um, and, but it's so true as well. Like, I felt like this. Oh, this is what music's meant to feel like. Like yes, this is yes, what exactly. it is to love an album and want to listen to all the songs in it because you have this like blurry sense of what being a fan is from like your parents talking about music, but you don't really understand what it is. And I remember being like, "Oh, this is like real shit." This is the feeling. Yes, <laughs> yeah. this was the first time as well that like it was the era of like a thousand music channels. It was the first time mm. I was like flicking through them, looking for her all the time, mm. just constantly, perpetually 
because that first video had such a specific look and feel of her obviously with the vest and the tie and the dog collars and stuff this very like this mall punk aesthetic that hadn't really existed yet and was so DIY and and it was like a pre-Hot Topic like Hot Topic never came to Ireland anyway but like versions of it existed Mm. eventually but this was before all that and seeing her with all these boys who she was you know ostensibly friends with in like a mall you know it was and her that sort of like the smudgy eyeliner and the very like straight dishwasher color hair you yeah, know yeah. just like mousy kind of thing so much it's weird like I because I, when I was growing up I was so like I was all blonde and like really I was quite little and oh my god I sound like Lana Del Rey when she was like I'm a what did she call herself when she was like doing that anyway but I was looked very like innocent and like a bit I just really wanted to be scary like her mm. and be like intimidating and f- make my parents scared that I was going off the rails because I was so sensible. Do you know what I mean? Oh, that's so and sweet. I think like, and then I remember like when I became more into like emo music and pop mm. punk and stuff like that, feeling like her music kind of emboldened me to be like a bit weird and rebellious and like you know like when you're a teenager you like do weird stuff like in the center of Leeds we'd be like sat on the floor in the middle of like sat on yes. the pavement in the middle sitting in weird places of yeah. real like teen and just looking like annoyed and stuff and I feel like she made it very cool or acceptable to be a bit of an outsider and be more weird yes yes rather than because I guess sometimes when you're at school, you just really want to fit in. Like mm-hmm. anything you do that like verges away from the norm is like really embarrassing. Like if you your pack lunch is a bit different or like <laughs> your school bag isn't like a Gola bag or a Jane Norman bag. It's like really embarrassing. But I feel like she made me sort of lean into wanting to sit outside of it a bit. Yes, completely. And And this thing of like going back to that video as well, there was definitely this whole mall culture thing that we had absorbed through stuff like Clueless and stuff and and in those movies it would always be for these like 1% of teenagers that were really fun to look at but it had nothing to do with your life of mm. like these people who were going to shopping centres and actually buying things whereas what this specific video and mood tapped into is like yeah teenagers go to shopping malls but they don't fucking buy shit because they don't have yeah. money so this thing of like like hoarding the free samples stand and yeah. just hanging out in areas just oh, forever God, and like making fun out of nothing yes yes that's what oh. it was really that's what was really happening in these malls yeah. as opposed to like oh going shopping like yeah, that didn't yeah. actually exist because i remember um, me and my best friend vicky we used to like set ourselves weird dares like in the like yeah. I remember like um, on the escalators when one was coming down and one was going up she'd be like oh like a day type run your hand over everyone's hand on the other side of the like escalator and like we'd set each other yes. like weird yes. tasks or like when someone's walking up to you like sort of don't let them pass for a minute or whatever and it was just feeling like getting so hyper that you feel like it's all, your chest is all like, itchy and <laughs> oh my god Avril Lavigne is so the patron saint of getting hyper <laughs> yeah <laughs> So much. Getting hyper in a, in a in a semi-public space, and like I, I have this weird memory for I have the exact same thing of like like just get get we're getting up to no good <laughs> in the shopping center, and like you know a glue super gluing pound coins to the ground and watching people, <laughs> and like I remember I have this very specific memory and I feel so ashamed of it. Of there was like you know how in all shopping centers there's a kind of like like a reception desk almost like a help desk. 
that help desk was unattended and there was like a competition slot thing of like win a spa day or something that people had and I, I fished my hand into it grabbed an entry and rang the number using the reception desk <laughs> and told someone they had won oh my god that's so cruel it's not cool <laughs> no, at cruel. all oh, yeah yeah it's so cruel <laughs> correct instinct very cruel and I, I'll, I'll never forget this I've never done it a prank since this day <laughs> like, like um because the woman on the other end of the phone said oh my god that's such good news it's been such a rough year oh no oh no. <laughs> and i just slammed the phone down that's it's so i've never tr- done a prank since. <laughs> yeah yeah because i feel like though with with being a teenager you are so like pushing your boundaries aren't you to see where like the limit is yeah and then you reach it and you're like and then you're like oh my god i don't want to be that person or something yes yes exactly i had that with you know when everyone used to shoplift i feel like young girls well. all go through a maze of how does clothes accessories make a profit i, I don't know <laughs> um because i sort of started doing that like kind of not innocently but on the like wavelength of just picking you know everyone go to primark and, like pick, get a couple of earrings or whatever yeah and then mine kind of spiraled quite a lot and i I was like going into Dorothy Perkins and like nicking dresses, like going quite, but like was also kind of weird with it, like not really telling anyone about that I'd developed this weird, is it called kleptomania? Yes. That's yeah. It. I'd gotten quite obsessed with it, but I remember getting caught once in boots and like the feeling of like the security guards, like hands like going oh, down on my shoulder and being wow. like, not today, love. And my heart like going through the bottom of me. Oh. And then from then on, I've never like what well, you know when people steal like plastic bags from the supermarket. Yeah, I'm like yeah. vigilant about not doing that because of how scary it was when I got caught. What's so funny about those experiences is that that stays with you forever, right? Mm. But but to those security guards, that was the most boring part of their day. Almost, <laughs> yeah. it's like oh yeah, a 14 year old girl stealing some like hair clips or whatever, yeah. whatever. But I feel like Avril was such a key character for like. That period of your life where you're ready to push boundaries, but not too far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so that's why much. she was so important. Yeah. It's funny as well, like, when you listen to her lyrics, because a lot of them are quite, like, yeah, she's, like, got this, like, rock aesthetic, but she, they're, they're not, like, they're never rude. Like, she doesn't swear mm. or, like, a lot of them are about, like, men being shitty to her and smoking weed instead of going out. With her. Like, they're quite, like, yeah. Puritan vibes, actually, when you're listening to them. Um, like she's not actually singing about like robbing from a shop or whatever or like yeah <laughs> yeah like it's it's funny they are very clean cut mm. like it's, I think I think a lot of this conversation is going to be based on this question of authenticity that has always surrounded her and I think is probably one of the reasons why the sort of she has a clone sort of mm. thing um, has really taken root because from the beginning like she started with this song about complicated which is about being fake and being a poser and then immediately she's been dogged by all this stuff about is she fake is she a poser and and her um disputing with her songwriting partners on that first album the matrix um as to whether or not she had written any of these songs or had a part in them but i definitely think the thing that falls down on the side of her being uh, a record company product is how conservative a lot of her values are mm. in her songs the one I feel so conflicted about and I also I love it and I hate it is Don't Tell Me off the second yeah. album. I, I still love that one. But yeah, it's weird when you sort of have that thing when you're listening to a song and you actually listen to it. And yeah. then you're like, oh, it's kind of weird because on the one hand, it's sort of like, oh, I'm not going to let this man like sort of take control of and I'm going to say set the boundaries. But then at the same time, it's like 
sort of making out like I'm not like that girl who's going to let you have your way with me. Like I'm not yeah. like it's always like putting sort of establishing herself via like being rude about other or like judging other women's behavior. So it's like a separation, which is always a thing that she does throughout mm. her career. Yeah, it's like so the the verses they're so what you want a teenage girl to hear, right? Mm. They're like yeah, you're right, drawing boundaries, consent, all that stuff. Like consent was not in the conversation um at all yet. Like people weren't we just weren't talking about it. Um but the idea that like you should always say no was. And so the verses feel very like, yeah, make you know, only do with what you're comfortable with, etc. All these great vibes that you want teenage girls to have. But the chorus is, did I not tell you that I'm not like that girl, the one who gives it all away? Yeah. And it's this fucking two pronged thing of like, okay, first of all, who the fuck is that girl? <laughs> and why do you feel like so superior to her? Second of all, giving it all away. It's like this really dated concept that like your sexuality is this like gift you give to men and only the most deserving parties should get it, you know? At the same time, a fucking banger. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It is confusing as well because like, you know, when she, um, at the beginning of her career, she was like on the cover of Rolling Stone with a thing that said like the Britney Slayer or whatever. Yeah. And she was always making comments about Britney, like calling her a hoe and saying, oh, like she always gets her belly out on stage. Like, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to be me. And like, again, like asserting her authenticity or whatever. And it's almost like, I feel like for people to take her seriously as an authentic thing, it's like she almost had to like, make out she wasn't like this commercial pop product but by doing it by like shitting on other people yeah or like that she wasn't like I think it's like the videos almost or that that song's almost doing a similar thing being like I'm not like that girl like always creating this distance which is crap <laughs> Cra- like crap <laughs> and it was the same in Skater Boy yeah another banger but this this assertion of like I mean, we all know that I'm not going to say the lyrics of Skater Point. We all know what they are. It has been my karaoke song several times. But um, yeah, it's it's very mean spirited. Mm. And it's it's definitely this sort of um, tomboyism sort of thing. Mm. This sort of like gone girl, cool girl yeah. aesthetic that we were all aspiring to. But also like we, we were, you can't like, I guess you can't dismiss her too much for it because she was a very young woman like Mm. she was 17 when complicated came out and she had already been on this label for like well over a year like she Mm. was signed really young um and so we were all participating in that same culture so for her to have been a victim of it as well yeah it's funny actually i was reading that um she said that song was written about the front man of Limp Biscuit called Fred. Fred Durst. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Apparently, he like flew over to one of her shows um, to try and have sex with her, and she was like, um, she sort of said in an interview that, and she was like, oh my god, like he just thought I was gonna have sex with him, like absolutely not. And then you hear stuff like that, and you're like, that's so cool, that's... and like name and shame, how yes. cool. But then it's yeah, and then. Um, and I think, and then he, he sort of denied it, but that's what she said it was about. Just don't, don't tell me. Yeah. 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 The weird thing about her character is that, like, she's not very eloquent. Mm. Like, she does yeah. feel like just like a teenager who's been plucked from a mall and then put on TRL. And you watch yeah. these old interviews with her, and she's like, oh, I don't know. I was, I was <laughs> rocking out with my friends, and then I don't know. It's crazy. Bye. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Or even if you read like a profile with her now, it's like you can tell the journalist is like working with nothing because there'll be like <laughs> this really eloquent, beautiful description of like her body language. And then it'll be like one line from her being like, 
yeah, that's right, or something. And it, yeah, she's she, which is weird because like, I guess you'd always think with like songwriters they might have, but yeah, she still carries that kind of awkward, stunted teenager thing where she like, and in um when you see videoed interviews of her, she's always like staring at the floor and yeah. Um, sort of picking with her nail varnish and just really moody teenager vibes. Yes, and like in a way that does not feel like, feels like authentically uncomfortable. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That That is actually the most authentic thing about Avril Lavigne is that she's legitimately uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and, and like not really that sassy, but more just feels like like a grumpy teenager that you've called out of their room for dinner mm. and they just want to go back to MSN and they're like, yeah. oh no, Brittany's stupid, bye. Like, yeah, I love that though because I feel like, you know what I was saying earlier, like, I feel like it allowed me to like lean into that and be like, it's okay to feel really awkward and yeah. weird yeah. and made it less, just took the pressure off and made that kind of a, th- a behaviour thing that was cool to be yeah, an outsider and be grumpy. Totally. Like... Also, there's this thing with it's like back to the sort of authenticity question. Mm. There's this it's like it felt like from the beginning, like there was re- like I felt like I, I of all the things that I've loved in my life that I've been told not to love, the quickest turnaround was was Avril Lavigne and Maroon Five, I think, <laughs> which I've already done an episode on. But um, and the reason why being that oh she's representing herself or being represented by a studio as this authentic singer songwriter and she's not she is a industry plant who has been grown and groomed mm. and the kind of the gotcha moment for these people are is always like now it's Wikipedia but back then it was the CD sleeves mm. of being like look how many writers are on this song look how many producers are on this song and I think that is such a limited and narrow way of viewing the music around you or or, or the art around you. Mm. Because, and people do the exact same thing with Beyonce. Remember when Beyonce was at a real cultural domination point, like the sort of single ladies era where mm. she was like, you really couldn't turn around without Beyonce being somewhere <laughs> in the culture. Um, and I remember people being like, well, have you seen how many fucking producers are on that song? And people do this with women artists yeah. so frequently. Whereas if they look at like a Justin Timberlake credits list, they'll be like, oh yeah, that's his collaborators. Yeah. Some of them are rappers. It's, rappers love Justin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, I feel like there's always, no, no, people find it hard to believe that women can make art. And if they can, it's like, there's got to be some other explanation for it. Or, you know, like when they're always, people are always like, oh, her character's unlikable as if it wasn't on purpose, sort of like, oh, yeah. I didn't like the character. And it's like, well, it's written so you don't like the character. It's like, yeah, people yeah. are always trying to find weird flaws in it. And I think it's, yeah, I mean, she was 16 when her first album came out. I'm sure she had a lot of help, but it's like her voice is incredible and like, the second album, she's got so many credits on it. Like, yeah. she obviously is a me- like so talented, but it's like this weird thrill of finding out, like a, you were saying, like a sort of gotcha moment. Totally. And the thing is, is that like people want someone to either be one hundred percent authentic or one hundred percent fake. And mm. the truth is, with every single person we see in the media landscape, no matter how much of an auteur they claim to be, there is a mix of influences and references and collaborations going on. And I think when people see that with someone like Avril Lavigne, who's obviously so young as well, they're like, oh, she's just been plucked and groomed and made into this product. Mm. But the truth is, is that, like, obviously there are differing accounts on that first album. Like, The Matrix feel like she's tried to steal songwriting credit from them, which is fair enough. But 
every account of it, and I've read quite a few in preparation <laughs> for this podcast, is like, they they met this talented teenager. She had a great voice. She'd won a singing competition with Shania Twain. And they were like, oh, we're going to make her into sort of a country, Dixie Chixie sort of type of Shania star. And that she, at 16, was like, no, that's not the artist mm. I want to be. And she played them, System of a Down, who were her favorite band at the time. And she was like, this is the sound I want to do. And then they kept working together. Apparently, they were at one point on the verge of dropping her because it was becoming so difficult. Then they sort of hit on this sound for Let Go. And then they were off to the races. And like, first of all, for such a fucking young person from buttfuck nowhere, like from French Canada, like not Toronto, (laughs) um, to like to be that strong and be that self-determined even if she's not writing every lyric, to have a very clear mm. sense of the things she's not going to be from that early in age is fucking cool. So cool. It's also like, you know, when people sort of reference like, oh, she was, you know, she was like a church singer and she did all this. It's yeah. like, oh my God, teenagers change so much. Like I yeah. have so many different phases through like growing up that, um, and they're all bizarre. And it's like, it doesn't mean that it's And all legitimate. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, <laughs> I was actually looking with a friend the other day. I was trying to decide what my worst phase was and my 18th <laughs> birthday party was definitely my lowest because I was I was wearing like, this, like floral kind of like really grannyish dress with like a trilby that oh was God. definitely the worst one I went so cute <laughs> um yeah so I feel like I completely believe that she was sort of became a grumpy rockish teenager because she was kind of pushing away from like mm. the, the like very Christian upbringing she had yeah yeah um Okay, what song would you like to talk about next? I feel like we've talked about complicated quite a bit. Um, have we said all everything we'd say about Skater Boy? Is there anything else on Let Go we want to talk about? Because um, I think I'm with you is a yeah. fucking great song. I do you know why I love that as well? You know when people do that thing where they're screaming and then they sing like really quietly and then they scream again. It's just yeah. such, especially on like you know when there's always those bands where there's like in screamo bands where there's a guy like screaming and then there's a guy that sings like a girl. I love <laughs> that like thing and I feel like she's kind of doing it there. Yeah, and like I've always I always liked it. Like I loved this album. Mm. I adored it. Um, but re-listening to it for this podcast. I'm with you, like, really got me. <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel like I have a new appreciation for it as a grown-up that I could have never had as a teenager because mm-hmm. it's so about the feeling of being in um, uh, very populated spaces like parties or or whatever and uh, feeling really alone, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously that's a, that's a feeling you come into as a, as a grown-up. And the lyric that really gets me is, isn't anyone trying to find me? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> There's something really evocative about that, mm. of like, yeah, like I my, my friend tells the story about um she had like she had this crying jag at a wedding when she was she's not single now but she was single for a long time, and she just broke down at a wedding because her, her friend's husband came up to her and was like, oh, have you seen Alice? Kind of thing, mm. and she's like, oh, there's nobody at this party who would try and find me. Oh, that is the worst feeling, isn't it? When you feel yeah. really um alone somewhere and you're sort of like do something you know you like pretend you need to find something or some to like do, be doing yeah. something in the room oh it's so awful yeah mm. or just go for like a long break in the toilet yeah, yeah and having to judge the amount of time you spend in there being like this is this is too long for a wee I have yeah to get and as a teenager I relate to that feeling so much because I was really um I, I was a bit w- like on the outskirts like I m- me and my best friend Vicky would 
we were so close, but we were very like sort of alienated everyone around us <laughs> by either being mean to them or they were mean to us, if right. you know what I mean, and sort of loners. And like, I remember going, this is going off on a weird tangent, but like, I just remember being at school once and she was off sick for like a week. Mm. And I realized I had nowhere else to hang out oh. with. So I like went to the toilet and like sort of had my feet like on the toilet thing, like something oh. from a teen. Hey. <laughs> um, and I remember like some really cool sick forms were in the toilet and they like wrote a note being like, are you okay? Because I've obviously been in the cubicle for ages. I mean, completely mortified. And having to like really like bu- like come out the toilet really quick and like walk off because I was like, oh my God, it's so embarrassing that I've just been like hiding in the toilet. <laughs> but yeah, lo- loner Avril vibes really filled that. <laughs> and there's so awesome. many loner Avril songs. Mm. Like there's so many songs. Like obviously this is like a uh, sort of emo phase and whatever and like teenagers feeling alone like it's not it's not the most original thing in the world but there's quite a lot of um songs that like they're lyrically very simple but they emotionally feel like quite complex like mm. I actually think I think you agree that the second album is better than the first yeah I feel like I got so much satisfaction as well, like being a teenager and being like, have you heard the second album? Or like, I feel like she's much closer to like the kind of art- like artist she wants to be or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Well, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> she was much closer yeah. to the artist she wants to be. Like, it's so um, whenever me and my boyfriend go to Ireland and we rent a car and and, and whatever, um, we always do it with the CDs that are in my childhood bedroom kind of thing and this is one of the CDs we always pick out so I actually this 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 album has been in my rotation for quite a while now yeah. you know like I, I haven't really let go of it because every time I go home I'm like oh, pop it on pop it mm. on in the rental car but the one that like like that song How Does It Feel which we both put on our list mm. which is not a single but the lyrics to it are How Does It Feel To Be Different From Me mm. And it's quite simple and it's like this. What's always interesting about second albums is that they they respond to fame, really, Mm. right? Especially if something's as huge as that first album was. And what it feels like, it feels like a song about disassociation. It feels like somebody who's been on the road for years now and has lost kind of a sense of connection with people. And it's that Mm. sort of... You know, there's a kind of internet meme that goes around every now and then that's like, oh, how do I know that like you're, how, do, how basically, how do I know that anybody else is real kind of thing? Mm. How do I know, it's like a Truman Show type thing. How do I know whether people around me are actually people? And like, when you listen to that song in the context of like a very, very famous, very young person, yeah. I'm like, oh, do you know where like you begin and others end anymore? Yeah, you know? so much. I mean, I can't believe, like she was like 16, so tiny. When you see like pictures of her as well, she just looks like a little kid. <laughs> like, yeah. And what I also loved about this album was the videos. Mm. They were so cool. Yeah. The one, because with the, with the first album, I guess the thing that was cool about those was kind of watching her. I liked seeing her with her band, Mm. like being like one of the guys or whatever. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, I feel like she's very, I am not like other girls, but I feel like I learned, it's like from, I remember feeling like, oh, that's kind of how you get men to respect you by being like their bro or like being like their sort of little sister type. Yeah. Because it's like in all these lyrics, it's like, men are disrespecting her but then she's got these guys around her that she's like mates with that have this like hold mm. her on this pedestal and I feel like I mirrored that behavior so much by being like 
just like even now I think I do it in a sometimes where you know like I'll be with male friends and they'll be talking about having sex or something and to show I'm like super like with not that women as all women talk about but just trying to insert myself in the conversation by yeah. saying something really gross or like I don't know like drinking and just trying to fit in on that thing and I feel like Avril made me feel like that's the route to respect not having sex with men being their friend so true and I feel like I'm still a little bit stuck in doing that sometimes like I think my first impulse with men is like to make them like feel like I'm one of them and then after I'll kind of be more myself but be like I get it I'm and then (laughs) that no I am exactly the fucking same like I'm totally the same and I think for me it's part of like having brothers growing up and feeling like that was almost a personality trait. Mm, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, being like, I, I've got brothers. I'm yeah. a damn boy. I don't care. Like, say gross things around me. And like, yeah. Um, and all, and like, I think that's also where that being bitchy about other women thing comes mm. from. Being like, oh man, she is so fake and pretty and stupid and I'm plain and yeah and gross but funny and you'll yeah. realize that you love me yeah yeah because yeah. like one of the i remember like there's so much stuff of her on tour or like stories I, of her where she's yes. like mooning other cars or like eating spiders or laughing because like i think like she was doing a gig and she changed like complicated to like constipated and doing shit like that and yeah that kind of thing I just remember wanting to be like a tomboy and being exactly like that when like naturally I'm so much more of a girly girl and like getting like glammed up and blah 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 yeah, but just yeah. wanting to fit that hole totally and it feeling like I remember when I was like yeah 12 13 14 this this sort of early teen era there was a real rush on girls trying to get a male friend yeah do you remember this and I didn't succeed <laughs> <laughs> I was so, yeah I've, but then when I went to uni I did make like most of my friends were boys and I remember mm. being self-aware enough to know it was very embarrassing to be like oh yeah and going on with boys but feeling like it was such a novelty that I'd been accepted into this group yeah. and um just loving that they were like oh like Annie's like getting invited to things and being the only girl and stuff yeah but also just knowing not to be like like rolling my eyes when other girls said stuff like I'm not like other boys, but still I was like really enjoying it. <laughs> totally. I was obsessed with it. I yeah. was totally, definitely for like the early parts of my 20s. Twen- yeah, the early teens was very much like, how do I get boys to be my friends? Mm. How can I mold myself into being someone who boys want to be around? And I can be the sort of Avril Lavigne character who will like, yeah, moon people and, and like, mm. because I think that was kind of my sense of humor anyway. Yeah. And also I think... To our defense, I think it was it it felt so restrictive being a teen girl mm. and like the, the especially girls at that age. I think when girls get to their mid to late teens, they really fucking hit their stride. Mm. And like some of them are still bitches, but I do think a more sisterly energy takes over. And yeah. that like we're the gang, we're girls, we love each other, fuck you, kind mm. of thing. That if you can manage that dynamic when you're at that age, like it'll set you up for the rest of your life. But for those early teens, I think because we're all changing so much and monitoring each other all the time, we're like obsessively clocking each other all the time. It's a really, really bitchy time. It feels really restrictive. It feels really awkward. It feels like the social games girls play at that age are like akin to like the court of King Henry VIII. It's yeah. all about like perceived slights and who's talking about who and who invited yeah. who to where. That like finding comp if you can find company with like boys 
it can feel really freeing. Yes. It's weird though, because I don't even think that I was that. Um... Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com I'm, I don't, see, I don't think I was a mooner. <laughs> I think I just would sort of slip in to hang out with men but actually not share like a lot of that mm. humor so just kind of be like this like weird support act where I was like laughing on the sides and showing how yeah. cool I was with it but like actually not being able to be like goofy and like I'm like loud but very loud in the way women talk of sort of constant like chatter chatter and yeah. like laughing as you're going but I'm not like very good at like a but a bunch like punchline yeah so I don't think I mean, it naturally doesn't work for me, so I don't know why I have such an obsession with it. But yeah. I mean, now I'm definitely like most of my friends now are girls, and I'm oh, same. <laughs> I'm on a, <laughs> a healing process. <laughs> totally. So like, yeah, it's like it almost goes in a wave. So it's like early teens obsessed with boys mm. and being around them. Late teens, mostly girls. Um, early twenties, like. Um, which for me was like post-uni moving here kind of thing. I felt like um, all of the women I met, no matter how much I liked them, they all had their gang sorted. Yeah, I had that when I moved to London. Really? Yeah, and it being really difficult because I feel like women groups do become, because they're so trusting and like yes, loyal, Yes, it's very hard to get in a group once it's been yeah. established. And for so long, like when I moved to London, I was like sort of going for like one-on-one dinners like all the time and loving it, but feeling like, oh, I've not got like a group. But they never, they never, exactly, they never like um, spiraled into anything mm. bigger of like, I would all like, I think it was like three years before I was invited to anyone's yeah. house, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then when I finally got it, I remember like sometimes I'll just be sat there sort of like looking, just seeing like grinning, being like, Oh yes. yeah. <laughs> Such a nice feeling. I um, love yeah, like yeah, and but but boys will accept you at mm, that level mm. of being like I, I mean, let's face it, at first Probably because like, okay, we'll let this girl hang around because she's like reasonably good crack and maybe she'll fuck one of us kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And then, but then they'll just sort of like include you in their just pinty Tuesday night mm, plans and mm. you can really feel like you can have a gang quite easily. The The downside of that being is those male friends were absolutely abandoned you once they have a girlfriend. Uh, yeah, so true. Or like I was always, I'd be invited, but it'd be like, if there was like a sort of Christmas meal or something, it'd be like the guys and you're never fully, I feel like it's really hard to feel like you're actually one of them. Like it's easy to get oh, in, yeah. but you're, you're never like, um, you're always still a girl. So you're never, in, if there's... Yeah, you don't have the VIP wristband. No, you, know? you don't. Yeah. You have a wristband, but not the <laughs> right wristband. Yeah. Like, yeah, this is so off the point. I, <laughs> I remember, but like, I, I do think that a huge part of how Avril Lavigne was marketed and how she and how she genuinely seemed to be like it it didn't seem like they invented character traits for her mm. and then she did them it seemed like she did things and they marketed them as character traits do you know what yeah. I mean if you know what I mean yeah it's also like we're saying all this stuff like she was like a sort of I'm not like other girls kind of person but at the same time like emo music or like pop punk was like so incredibly sexist and it's yeah. so cool that she 
like she was the first person I can think of that was like in that pop punky kind of place. Yeah. Because like I remember like all the songs would kind of put women on this like huge pedestal where they're like this really idealized beings mm. and they'd be like so beautiful. Like I remember there's like a Taking Back Sunday lyric where it's like um, something he says something about like slitting his throat and he's like with my last breath I'd apologize for bleeding on your shoes like so over the top about like women's like like these like crazy high up beings but then at the same time they were always like cheating and like shallow and not recognizing nice guys and yes so horrible I'm just not in your bedpost but you were just a line in a song yeah so much and then it's like it was so nice to see a woman like having an active role in that place yes which so in that way she was like so cool as well and then, yeah. and then after that, obviously, I feel like, you know, you could sort of draw parallels with Paramount, but I feel like more it's because she was such a pop artist, it would be more like, you know, making a space for like alternative pop for women like Billie Eilish or like Willow or something. And, yeah. You know, that kind of thing. I don't, I don't know if that would exist without her. It would have taken way longer. I think you're dead right. I think like, yeah, the, the, it's almost like a false... Um, parallel to draw between Paramore and Avril Lavigne. It's more like, oh, they were both in somewhat rocky spaces at around the same time. Yeah. Whereas I do think the parallel between Avril Lavigne and Billie Eilish is much more of a clear yeah. one, right? Like, or not even parallel, but like a continuation mm. kind of thing of, I think, I think now we're much more accepting of an idea of like, there are women who make pop music that are, you know, that, that have like huge emotional and artistic stakes within their work, even if they're working with lots of people. I think Billie Eilish is one of the first people who, like a young, young woman who has come along and people are willing to accept that she makes her own music. Yeah. Which, like it's, that's a new thing for pop. Mm. Yeah, that's really cool. It's so funny as well with Avril, because I remember like um, when when I was obviously tiny, being like such a big vocal fan of hers, mm-hmm. but then when I became interested in like pop punk music and like All Time Low and You Me at Six and people like that, yeah. um, pretending or just like making out I didn't like her or know about her or whatever because that was like cool. She was mm-hmm. like again inauthentic and like blah 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 blah. But then like you know when it became like a thing to sort of ironically like stuff. Yes. Like then being able to kind of pretend that it was ironic but actually I just really liked her music but doing it in like an eye rolly way yeah and then only now I feel like it's like normal that it doesn't have to be ironic and you can just like lots of things and they don't have to be like anything other than you liking them yeah and then now it's like I can just sit in my almost like I've gone back to when I was a teenager I just liked it I mean no, sorry like a teenager and just liked it I feel the exact same. I feel like it's like kind of why I did this podcast to begin with. I feel like the, I I went on that same liking things, liking quote unquote bad things ironically mm. for a long time. Or like the idea of like, oh yeah, we'll watch this bad thing and get high while we do it. Kind of yeah. Thing. Yeah. Why does everything have to be when you are high? When you that are high. That would make it okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I remember, yeah, showing a friend of mine. Um, something a bit off kilter recently like oh god you go- but you were high watching this I was like no I just like it <laughs> that was funny actually because I used to um, I lived with one of my like best schoolmates and we used to smoke weed but it was mainly because I think she smoked weed and I would mm. smoke weed when I was with her and then she sort of quit and then I just 
quit as well but I remember like we would do like having this view that it was a more like not intellectual activity but more of a thing if we were smoking weed watching it yeah like this is us hanging out whereas like if we're just like watching tv it's like lazy and like really boring and everyone does that but then I stopped I was like it's exactly the same experience really it's so true it's such a thing like uh, like definitely of like um like smoking weed and watching like old Nickelodeon cartoons <laughs> it was definitely there was kind of a pastiche to that yeah. almost like a vibe to that but like yeah. just sitting down drinking tea watching Rugrats it's like yeah. mm, not so much <laughs> yeah like if you have to be high to enjoy it like are you enjoying yeah I think you are just enjoying it yeah yeah um Oh God, there's so many songs on this album that I love. Uh, <laughs> I fucking love Nobody's Home. Yeah. Do you know, it's, the video for that is so weird though. Yeah. Why? Is, why? Because it's like, there's obviously like in the song, like a uh, metaphor about um, feeling lonely, I guess. And like, yeah. nobody's there for her or whatever. And then why is that? Then it's taken so literally in the video that she's like an actual homeless person. It just seems so on the nose. It was, I remember feeling that it was like really saying something <laughs> at the time. I was like, wow. Brave. This is b- brave. <laughs> yeah. Avril's acting. She has black hair and she's brushing it in uh, a toilet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, oh, I, I remember feeling like I really understood homelessness mm. because I watched that mm. video. <laughs> and it does kind of bring back this whole thing of Avril Lavigne the enigma kind of yeah. thing because she does seem like somebody who doesn't really have the character to enjoy fame mm. um, like and this is a really mean thing to say but like someone who is clever enough to see that fame is a fiction mm. and it's like Minnie Driver said this really smart thing recently on her podcast where she's like being famous is like everybody around you is on drugs and you're their high Oh, Isn't weird. that fabulous? Yeah. Like they're on mushrooms and they keep yeah. touching your hair and they can't believe it's you, kind of thing. Yeah. Well, there's all that stuff, isn't there, with Avril in those meet and greets where there's like a foot of between her yes, and her. Yes. And she just doesn't seem like anyone. Like, you know, you get all these things from celebrities being like, oh, you know. I don't really like being famous, but you've had this feeling like, oh, you look like you like it. Or, yeah, you, you seem know, like, like you're having fun. Yeah, like Justin Bieber or something. Like he looks like he can handle it well or in some way. But yeah. then with like her, it just looks like, God, you're not built for it at all. And she doesn't do many things that like famous people ever seem like. I I was thinking like she doesn't do any brand endorsement deals or anything she has like a that. Perfume. Really? She, she had a perfume. I wonder what that smells like. Called, I know. <laughs> like it was called Black Star, and it was like a a. Uh, album tie-in kind right. of thing that she did a few years ago but then like it kind of came and went and it's not something she's really I can ima- I can really imagine very well the thing about Avril Lavigne is that you know she's not, not a strong personality but you could also imagine very clearly how she would react to things like you know where it's like someone saying to her in a meeting so you know the, the perfume market is so and so and like CD sales are down so we're mm. going to tie in this with this and her going I don't know it's like it's cool I suppose I, yeah. I mean if I smell it first yeah yeah <laughs> it's so funny that that you know that meme of her where she's like I can't remember what she's saying but she's like yeah I'm like a rock chick like I just want to smash things up people like, think they're punk yeah, yeah yeah that one yeah yeah but then it's like that's so funny but then when you watch enough interviews with her you realise that's just her all the time like it's that yeah. it seems less funny because you're like that's just how she communicates always like yeah. a weird teenager yeah yeah it's like so to go back to that point it's like she's clever enough to know that fame is fake mm. but not clever enough to find out something else to do mm. if you know what I mean like doesn't look like she enjoys it that much 
maybe she has this great passion for music and never wants to stop. Like she's made seven albums. Mm. Like she writes on more and more of them. Like as the keys, as the soul songwriter, as it goes on. But like it still doesn't feel like when you watch an interview with her. This is someone who has been famous for almost twenty years now. Mm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and she still seems like someone who is just sort of stumbling her way through and doesn't really know what to say and is genuinely yeah. astonished that people are asking her questions. Yeah. I guess, because Adele does something similar, doesn't she, where she just kind of steps out the limelight, but mm. she seems better at it when she's like, <laughs> yeah. she still seems incredibly charming and interesting when she does do an interview or whatever. You get a sense with Adele that like the years that she spends out of the spotlight, she's almost like charging her batteries yeah. and then she just gives you a big sort of like explosion of charisma and mm. then it takes her a while to accumulate that again yeah you know? I feel like that's like me with social things because I'm so like quite private and like get really exhausted when I'm like hang out with people all the time but like, then yeah. I feel like when I haven't seen people for three days I'm like hello world you know like suddenly got loads of and I suppose that like, people say there's like one definition of an introvert isn't it like getting charged up on your own yeah yeah but then yeah I'm definitely that one like and feeling the high of like releasing it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you definitely get the sense that Dell that she enjoys it. She enjoys her like once every four years publicity mm. tour because she knows this is just all she has to do and then yeah. she'll go back to her nice life. Is there anything else in the second album you'd like to talk about? How about Happy Ending? Oh, I love it. I, that, I think that's one of my favourite videos where she, she looks so good in it where she's got all the black um, hair under the blonde. Yeah, And she's kind of sh- shoving him around the supermarket. I remember thinking like I want a turbulent toxic relationship so much and just having like probably like kissed like one person but like yeah just thinking that was so cool and then she like plays the music in front of him at the end and it's yeah that's so cool um no I love that song I feel like it's a good screamy another thing about Avril is I always find funny is she loves like a yeah 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 yeah. or like a she doesn't what's like Da, da, da. Like she's always like, doing da da da. Da 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 da. da. Yeah, Which like, is so pop punk, isn't it? Yeah, she's always making like noises like that. <laughs> I can't remember if she does any on um, my happy ending. What's another one I love? Um, I love Together. That's a great one. It sounds like kind of metal. Where she, um, it is. I love that one. That's. I think she said that was like her favorite song on the album, and it's. It, I feel like that one as well is so unlike a pop. I love that there are songs that just so unpop and that just seem that you almost want to sit someone down and play it and be like, look, this is Avril Lavigne and like getting a weird. I actually remember doing that with my ex-boyfriend once, like like being so wanting him to like approve of this or like see that it was like not what you think her music was like and getting such a satisfaction out of like proving that where you're like really someone's, what's that? I don't know, just so a fan of hers I want everyone to know that she's like really makes really heavy important music yeah yeah and and that thing of like feeling like um, a music being heavier and this is like a real like naughty's belief music being heavier makes it more authentic yeah (laughs) it's like why like why wouldn't the poppier tracks on Let Go be every bit as important as the heavier tracks on on second album it's like in um a Star is Born where Lady Gaga's character I can't remember but, oh Ali Ali like is more authentic like all the bit where she's trying to be a pop star is like cringe and then she makes this like throaty ballad is like seen as a more valid form of expression but I I, get... I hated that film oh, for, did you? for that exact reason <laughs> I still love that film reason. but it, I did find that annoying and weird for Lady Gaga to be making that point because her right? music is so pop it was, so, it was it. such like it was I fucking hate that movie but <laughs> I think she's a great actor and I love Lady Gaga and like 
um, well, uh, you know, I'll see other things that she does definitely. But the whole like attitude of the film was mm. very like she makes shallow with. Bradley Cooper's character and everyone's like wow what an authentic country artist and then she makes pop music it's like she's lost her way and then she comes back to sing a ballad about her dead husband so it's like when her art revolves around her dead husband it is there or her alive husband it's authentic but when she's on her own it's it's uniquely fake yeah no it's so stupid oh fall to pieces I love just for how sappy and sentimental it is and like I think just that like not understanding at that age what it is to be so obsessed with someone or feel heartbreak but really leaning into those I guess like when you're a teenager you do feel that so much even if you've not like had Mm. a real important connection with someone you still feel all those feelings don't you of being really pathetic and I'll do anything for you and um yeah I I remember just enjoying sitting in that and like it's so Taylor Swift. I always think it's such a proto-Taylor Swift yeah, song, isn't it? Yeah. And I like it when she sounds quite countryish as well. I feel like there's a bit more on Let Go where she is does sound very like more Shania Twainy vibes. Yes. But I, I like it when she does do that. Um I I like for me as well, Avril Lavigne is such an important person because she's what got me playing guitar. And like, mm. I'm not a great guitar player at all, but like when you're that age, when you're 12, 13 and like you sort of find an instrument and stuff and you have a have somebody who's making songs that you can learn to play. Mm. And and for me, Fall to Pieces was one of those songs right. that I would play over and over again on my in my bedroom because the recording of it was fairly stripped back. She's a good singer, but like her vocal range is fairly small. Do you know right, what I mean? Okay. So it was a really easy song to just mm. play over and over again in your bedroom and feel like it it sound like in your head mm. it's sounding kind of close to the thing and like yeah. you know I don't I wouldn't have started a guitar if it weren't for Avril Lavigne and like she became the gateway drug to thousands of other bands and those bands became gateway drugs to th- to like yeah. well, some of the most important friendships of my life and some of the most important like things about who I am like so yeah. she's like this I don't know, this like nucleus that all this other stuff just kept reverberating mm. out from in waves, you know? Because it's also like kind of comes back to that thing we were saying, like not seeing any other women like do that. Like, yes, I can imagine so many women wouldn't have picked up a guitar if they hadn't have seen her do similar things. Because I like, I just remember like so much stuff from when I was in emo and it was being so all women looking at men. And yes. like, like going, I think it was like all time low I went to see. And I remember like, they're being like stood there with a microphone and the microphone just as the gig went on was just piled high with bras like really? on the thing it's so weird as well when you think about it. like wow. we were probably all like 16 and all the girls in the audience like having their tops off and like it just being and yeah. such a so topsy-turvy not in that there's anything wrong with women like lusting after like male singers like mm-hmm. that's really cool but I guess it was just nice having another situation where it was like fangirling over a girl but it's so it's you're so right though where it's like I remember, like, what is that Blink One Eight Two song Rock Show? Yeah, I fell in love with the, the girl, girl at the, the rock, rock show. show. <laughs> Fucking love that song, great song. Um, but whenever I listened to that song, I never wanted to be Tom DeLonge. I wanted to be the girl at the rock show. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I listened to an Avril Lavigne song and I wanted to be Avril Lavigne. Yeah. And that's like a fucking empowering thing. And it's, yeah. it's like, and there was definitely in that pop punk scene, which I loved and like probably deserves its own sort of episode. Um, it was all just about like 
boys being so mischievous and silly. Yeah. Like, and like you, you have like, um, like every single day, 10,000 times a day, the In Too Deep video would play for some 41. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember just thinking that was just it. That mm. was just fucking everything, you know? Mm. It was such a fun scene that I feel like gets dismissed a lot. Yeah, so much. But also feeling really like, um, I think I found it frustrating that I had all these things stopping me from being silly and goofy that I felt like quite cage. You know, like I just think so much of your upbringing is like sitting on a bench watching guys play football or I watching know. them do this and watching you do that. And it's like, I wanted so much to be like Avril and be able to like break out of the mold and moon people or whatever. But just feeling so, I still feel it now like, you know, like going to, make a joke or like people are kicking ball around in a park and like wanting to go and do it but then feeling like if you do it you'll be like a girl trying to do it rather than just someone doing it and just feeling really mournful all the time that I'm still can't break out of that thing I feel really mournful about it as well like I especially with like yeah we you're so right we spend unless we just happen to have this like Lola Bunny aptitude for something that comes like really naturally Mm. and also we're, we're very sexy at the same time like it's like you know, there's such a huge movement behind it now with like this girl can and stuff getting girls mm. into sports, into movement, into like you know appreciating their bodies not for what they look like but for what they can do. But that did not fucking exist around me when I was young. Yeah, and I I would try things, be instantly bad at it. Yeah, and nobody and no there was nobody fighting for like no no just keep trying. Yeah, and like, there was nobody there saying that shit. But now I'm in my thirties and like you know when my boyfriend and his brother when they want us all to go on a double date together or something they'll they'll always in, invariably suggest like mini golf or mm-hmm. like some kind of arcadey thing or something where we're all doing something together yeah. which is obviously great because it's better than just like sitting around mm-hmm. chatting um but I'm good at chatting and I'm bad at these things yeah and it so quickly becomes the two lads like they'll they'll have their 15 minutes of like let's teach the girls what the rules are of this thing that we're yeah. doing but then it just becomes their show yeah and then me and me and um my brother-in-law's girlfriend would just kind of create our own little game off to the side yeah it's like it feels very like toddler pool or something yeah it's like you you could never I feel like I could make a really concerted effort to break out of that thing and be able to but I don't know if I can just be bothered but it's such I'm yeah. kind of okay with the fact now that I sit and chat and have a great chat and watch people do those things and it's but just sometimes I think that's really shit that I am so uncomfortable in performing anything or like putting myself out there it's like me and my friend Rashira the other day went to do um we went for like a boxing class and it was a lot more actual boxing than we thought it'd be like like boxer size size, yeah. yeah and like I just remember like you had to kind of like I skip around the like the big thing yeah (laughs) punching it and I remember feeling ridiculous and really embarrassed but then being like why are you so embarrassed by this like just try it like and feeling afterwards like you need to do more of that like you need to be able to feel like an idiot and it be okay and like keep doing it but then since then I have not gone to a boxing class (laughs) but in theory I would like to stop doing that but I I am also at a very big point of that as well of like especially when you get this far into your career where um we're both writers and like we've created this place where like 
we're good at what we do and people keep asking us to do it and we keep getting better at it and therefore there are never huge moments where we're very very embarrassed yeah and so but to be cut off from embarrassment and from your own shortcomings is actually very dangerous yeah like the older you get and the better you get at your chosen thing and the more people know you for it the less opportunities you will get to really fucking show your arse and it's so important that you have to do that yeah, right. Because I even like, you know, on holiday, I would never ever try pronounce things in. Um, I'm the exact else's same. I'm yeah. so pathetic at stuff like that. I like do the pointing at the menu thing, yeah. which is so I fucking that. provincial. I do that when it's like an English, like um, like a burger. I'll just like point at my one yeah. like a kid. It's just so pathetic. Yeah, like I don't know how this relates to Avril Lavigne necessarily, <laughs> but I feel it very deeply. Which I guess she because she was so unembarrassed. She. Yeah. Was carefree enough to be that person and not be embarrassed about it. Yeah, socially awkward, but profoundly unembarrassed. Yeah, which I think is so cool. Like, I remember speaking of like that, socially awkward, but totally unembarrassed, is the um, the thing where I watched a lot of interviews with her and there was like the Carson Daly's and the Ryan Seacrest being like, you said this about Britney. Uh, <laughs> do you regret it? And she'd go, no. <laughs> like she doesn't, yeah, she feels no, like. Yeah. She seems very unbi- She's She is, again, I can see why people have this like cloning thing mm. about her because she is like kind of an enigma. She doesn't totally seem like all the way like a real person mm. because she doesn't try and make this, um, look how real I am, look how relatable I am thing, mm. really. She's just kind of a awkward weirdo. Yeah, yeah, completely. Do you want to talk about the girlfriend era? Yeah, well, because I remember so clearly when girlfriend became a thing and she was suddenly felt really famous again. But yeah, I suppose that that song of like when she becomes really pop is... I think works. It I at the time I remember being really eye rolly and like, no, have you heard this song that she makes? It's so yeah. much heavier. I, I like, remember feeling very betrayed. Mm, I yeah, I did, but also kind of yeah, it matched that moment. But I was annoyed at it in the moment because I felt yeah. like I knew her more. Yeah, I was really angry. I had a similar thing when um, Gwen Stefani had the sort of Love Angel music baby years and she went after she went solo from No Doubt and feeling like. I think this could have been around the same time where like B A N A N A S right, came yeah. out, and I and it became like such a meme, really, before memes were mm. a thing. It, that that's what it was, and feeling so betrayed, mm. being like, "You are an authentic artist. I have like Tragic Kingdom. You're yeah. an incredible. You're everything to me." And um, now you're spelling out bananas. <laughs> yeah, it's funny though because now that I think I'm more able to be like oh, you know, an artist might do one thing and mm-hmm. it not be what I like, but it doesn't sort of take away or like, I don't know, like in Heart, I think she, on that song Heart, I think she manages to do pop and like her old stuff together yeah. really great. Like yeah. I think that song's such a banger and it's not maybe how I like to think of Avril, but like I appreciate that song so much. And it's funny though, because like recently, like a lot of my friends love that song and always play it. You know, like when certain friend groups always have certain songs they always mm-hmm. play. And I remember even now feeling like this knee-jerk reaction of like, no, I like, like wanting everyone to know how much I like because I don't really walk around talking about how much I love Avril Lavigne, do you know what I mean? But then feeling like, because you have such an odd feeling, I think, especially with stuff you've always loved of like ownership. Oh, totally. Which is bizarre because it's like someone else liking it or not knowing how, doesn't take away from you liking it, but feeling like it's mine. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I don't know why... 
or like that you knew it before them. It's it's such an odd thing to feel like, yeah, that you own something, but finding, especially with now, even now with friends liking it, that they don't understand it and it's mine. <laughs> so yeah, and it's so funny because like that was your first, even though Complicated was a huge single and she was like overnight stardom or whatever. Mm it still felt like, oh, this is my thing. Yeah. This is my special thing that I discovered myself on the music channels. Yeah. I'm sure there's like some really smart like Marxist analysis you could make about like the way people view. can't remember. I'm sure there's like something about how we like view culture and think we own it. Yes. (laughs) To be said that I don't know, but. (laughs) No, yeah, I don't know either, but it feels like (laughs) someone could really make that point. (laughs) Um, Okay. So Avril today, right? Like, mm. she's obviously not as much of a key figure in mm. the in the culture, which is fine because most of her contemporaries aren't either. She's still making music. Um, she'll like it's interestingly she like on a lot uh, her most recent tour opened for the Backstreet Boys, who are still together. Oh, interesting. Which I kind of love. Yeah, it's surprising as well because like obviously not asked about such more comfortable in not seeming authentic inauthentic yeah, or whatever yeah. she would perform with them it's yeah it's, it's, it's exactly it's like she was positioned as something that was anti the manufactured world of the backstreet boys yeah and now she is like opening for the backstreet yeah, boys you know? yeah because it's, it's what's interesting about the backstreet boys even is that like they i don't think they have any i think they have some fucking bangers i think they're the best boy band ever mm. <laughs> they're absolutely shit on nsync um, <laughs> but they've stayed together and they have these like annual cruises where the um people go and party with them and like they're like yeah they they, they, they've retained a lot of that original fan base and so that's a kind of authenticity of itself Mm. you know they may have been put together by a studio but there's no question that those men are clearly in a deep artistic relationship that's Mm. lasted for 20 years and that's something to respect right most quote-unquote authentic rock bands don't manage that Mm. definitely i think it's as well with her like new music it's kind of it's weird because I love Bite Me and I think it's such a good song and a lot I like it's a great song yeah. I didn't hear it because I only heard it because you sent it to me oh yeah I, I love loved it. it and like uh, there's so many songs in the album I think are great but then it's also like I think it is I don't know if this is like sexism that I feel this way but like it seems maybe difficult to write an angsty like song like that when you're older but mm. then maybe I just think I don't know like when it's so full of teenage angst, basically. And yeah. it's like, I guess maybe because she's made so many other like ballads and more sentimental songs mm. that it feels backwards, like great backwards, but backwards. But then yeah. I don't know why you shouldn't be still allowed to make that kind of music when you are older. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. I think Taylor Swift is still, she'll still like occupy a sort of mm. a teenage mindset kind of thing. She does write like more mature mm. songs about adult relationships, but she will sort of like... Like, there was something on folklore that, like, I don't know, the mall played a big part. Yeah. I was like, Taylor, you haven't been to a mall yeah, in 15 years. Come on. It's difficult, isn't it? Like yeah. to, But then I feel like you do get it with men as well. Like, I remember listening to Scorpion, like, Drake's album and feeling really like, oh, my God, you're still going on about, like, <laughs> like helping a stripper feel better and like oh, well. get, you know, that kind of thing and being like, oh, God. Such a Drake theme. Yeah. Whereas, so like, funny. I guess, like, you know, other rappers will like talk more about like their empire or something. I don't know. And it feels yeah. more like grown up. Um, yeah. But I suppose he does that as well. But yeah, it's, 
it it feels like some in some way she's looped back, which is why I love it because it's way more pop punk than mm-hmm. all the things she's made in between. But also, it feels like she's gone backwards. But I don't know if that matters or not. Yeah, I find it also interesting that the two husbands she's had are like the two men in the world that would understand her life the most. Mm. So it was um Derek something from Sum Forty One. The, the little cute blonde guy. I remember feeling like that was like a real proof as well of her authenticity, which is so yes! depressing. Like, oh, she's with this guy who's in a real band. But it's like, oh, because she's like attached. Why does that matter? <laughs> yeah, no, I remember feeling like, ha, see? Yeah, yeah. But also like he was definitely somebody who was, um, like I think Sum 41 were a great band mm. and, and like I think the lyrics were genuinely fucking brilliant for many of their songs. Um, but it was somebody who was like not taken as seriously because it was this fun sort of, Teen music, mm. um, and then Chad Kroger was her second husband of yeah. Nickelback. I just find it so interesting that these, like, you know, there's like there's so much genuflecting around men and music, and these are probably the two least respected men in music. Yeah. You know, yeah, and and like I think there's something quite sweet about they're you know this mainstream rock or mainstream you know radio friendly punk thing mm. that those men were doing that also she was doing I'm like oh you guys must have loads to talk about yeah also I suppose like with her now sort of making it's I think the album that she's just made is so like right in this time where like Travis Barker and stuff like yeah are be- resurging and becoming cool again mm-hmm. which is nice and like I guess through like Machine Gun Kelly and all that kind of like group it feels like a right time for Avril to be celebrated again. Do you think she could come back like one last job? As in, obviously she's never technically gone anywhere, but do you think the 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 culture could pick her up again? Yeah, I just, I guess, because she still seems so teenage, like we were saying, yeah. I guess like it's difficult when you, I don't know if she's got like the charisma. <laughs> do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like I love that she doesn't because I like that she's this grumpy outsider almost but then I feel like it maybe is hard for her to like get a lot of attention on her because her whole thing is like being in the shadows a little bit yeah yeah and she like it's weird because she kind of has she was initially marketed as an outsider even Mm. though those songs were everywhere and Mm. how could you be an outsider if your songs are fucking everywhere and charting but now the longer, it's like the Backstreet Boys thing, the longer she stays in the game, the more she becomes an actual outsider because this is somebody who's made fucking seven albums, yeah. you know? And like, nobody's really reviewing them or talking about them. And, you know, people go to her shows, but they're the people who've hung in there, you mm. know? So I think that is a form of authenticity. You yeah, know? yeah. So Annie Lord, we're out of time. But uh, <laughs> you have a great book coming out that I absolutely yeah. loved. Oh. Called Notes on Heartbreak. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about it. So it's um, basically a memoir about me and my ex breaking up, and it's kind of also a sort of love story told in reverse. So on the one hand, it's like going through all the things you go through in a breakup, like getting your hair cut, like crying so much you can't like stand up, and not eating anything, and drunk calling people, and all that like embarrassing stuff, which I'm so honest about. Like it's really weird sometimes when I'm like reading it back through. I'm like Christ. <laughs> Um, and then also going through the relationship from the beginning of it all the way to the end and just kind of, yeah, looking at that process um, of falling out of love with someone, I guess. Um, and it's, I hope it make everyone laugh and also cry. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really soppy. Um, and I reference lots of different books and films and stuff in that. Um, so I guess it's like also kind of a meditation on love and heartbreak. 
I really loved it. And it's like, when I was reading it, I really had the sense of like, wow, like, Heartbreak is one of the great, you know, muses of of all art, right? Like, mm. as in, that's what, you know, it's, it's, it's the, since the beginning of time, it is the most common human experience. And to read somebody writing about that and for it to feel sort of new and for like, my own first heartbreak like I I haven't like truly had my heart broken since I was like 19 but like it came back as I was reading it and I was like oh my god I can feel the old <laughs> wound kind of thing almost opening up I can feel like you know oh I, I the, the inten- I think you have to do such a good job of capturing the intensity of that experience that people forget they feel you know yeah it's oh that's so nice to hear it's like also it's funny when you talk to people about their own heartbreaks and I feel mm. like you do feel it in your chest again like you've got PTSD or something you're yeah. like oh it makes you feel sick doesn't it like when you're talking to someone about it because I remember like when I was going through it feeling like I can't believe everyone's been through this it feels so yeah. bad like how is the world functioning like how are people going to work because it goes on for such a long how period of time how are people going to work yeah or like talking to friends being like this is what you meant like and realising yeah. I really wasn't like there enough for like people when they ha- were doing mm. it or not really understanding how to like talk to people when they said they'd been heartbroken like I remember like with one of my friends sort of being like oh like I saw so and so like you know in the club he was with another girl like saying stuff like that and just yeah. not thinking about how like or understanding how bad that would feel to know or like or, or like if they were sort of saying things about them like being like oh he's so annoying he did this being like sort of like nodding along but being like oh that's a bit unfair or this and that and just yeah, not letting yeah. them like rage in the way you need to because I just didn't get yeah. how yeah. bad it feels and how irrational and all over the place you are um, and finding that out and being shocked. <laughs> There's nothing like it. And it's kind of amazing that we all have to go through it, right? Yeah. It's funny as well because I was talking to my dad and he was like saying he's never really been through like a bad heartbreak. Mm. Just thinking, oh, that's weird because it was obviously so bad. But then being so glad I had gone through it because I yeah. just, when you th- I think about like who I was before I went through it, I was just like such a different person and being mm. glad that I went through it, even though it's awful. Like, I don't know if I want to go through it again. But oh, God, no. Once is enough. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's I get the fine. picture. Um, <laughs> I've had enough growth now. I'm okay. Yeah, but... like, yeah good growth. Yeah, <laughs> that's enough. Um, okay, Annie, thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you for having me. This has been Sentimental Garbage, and I've been Caroline O'Donoghue. The podcast was produced and edited by me, with mix and music by Harry Harris and artwork by Gavin Day. If you'd like to email me about the pod, you can do so on sentimentalpod at gmail.com or get in touch with me directly on Twitter or Instagram at ZaraLine. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com